0: Ladies and gentlemen, live from the world's most beautiful city, San Francisco, California, Ring Top, your inside look into the world of boxing and mixed martial arts. Domes y caballeros,
2: bienvenidos. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Check it, you're inside looking to the world of combat sports. Straight up, and you already probably know this, but my name is Pedro Fernandez. I'm the reigning, the defending, the undisputed heavyweight champion of the radio airwaves, having defended that timeline for better than 32 years. So, straight up today, we celebrate the greatness of Mike Tyson on his 50th birthday, that's right, the magic man, the man, of course, that sprung the heavyweight prominence as a teenager, wow, 1984, didn't make the Olympics, but first out of the amateurs. of course, came on the scene, won the title of 1986, November 22nd to be exact, knocking out Trevor Rubik in two rounds at the Las Vegas Hilton, of course, that was the night that Pedro was in line, I wasn't watching the fight, I was in line, I never got in the arena, but straight up, Lots of things to talk about. Mike Tyson, boxing, MMA, you name it. We got it. 1-800-878-PLAY. does 1-800-878-7529. Boxing on CBS television last week. Of course, a pretty pretty nail-biter of a fight. I'm talking about a close decision that Keith Thurman walked away uh, from with... uh uh, Sean Porter. Of course, Sean Porter was the aggressor. A lot of people thought that Sean Porter might have done more and won, but some people thought that, you know, maybe Thurman landed the harder and cleaner blows, so therefore, he deserved this. This was not an amateur fight in which the man that landed the most punches should have won. One of those things. Anyway, back and forth, it was a coin toss either way, because had it gone one point the other way, it was 115, Had it gone one point the other way, it would have been a draw. 114, of course. 114, 6-6 six, six in a round. So straight up, Great fight last week on CBS television. The first time CBS had done TV said Guess i boxing in primetime since 1978. And the great Muhammad Ali and Leon Spinks. Of course, Ali luring Spinks into that rematch for being all fat and out of shape the first time around. Not preparing all that well, but straight up, he was ready for the rematch. This is Ring Talk live on Sports Byline.
4: Financing is easy with your credit card or PayPal credit. Call now. 1-800-427-0183. 1-800-427-0183. That's 1-800-427-0183. 1-800-427-0183.
0: 1-800-427-0183. Now, more of Ring Talk. With Pedro Fernandez.
5: Sometimes we have to fight. Even if we know we're gonna lose, we still have to fight. I don't know why. Why can't you just say, hey, listen, you won, I don't wanna do this. But even though we gotta lose, we know we're gonna get the shit kicked out of us, (laughs) but we gotta fight this guy like we're gonna kick his ass, like we're a bully.
2: One and a half minutes fast hour. This is Ring Talk live on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network live, of course, from the City by the Bay, San Francisco, California, the West Coast, the Left Coast. The bottom line is, my name is Pedro Fernandez. You are tuned to the longest-running fight show in history, Ring Talk Live worldwide. So, if you're joining us for the very first time, let me welcome you to the Ring Talk family. If you've been with me, like. With uh, like older than dirt Bob of San Francisco, if he's still around, he should be like 97 years old. Somebody told me he was alive last year at 96, but I don't know if he's still going to 97. But I think he's my oldest active living listeners, 97 years old. I'm talking about older than dirt Bob in the city by the bay, San Francisco, California. So if you've been around so from, from the early days like Bob or you just hung on or you just came on, so right on. Welcome to the family. Of course, we do this. A few times a week, Saturday and Sunday, 11 a.m. Pacific time on Sports Byline. Saturday for an hour, Sunday for two hours. Of course, we go Sirius XM Satellite Radio Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific time for a two-hour show, Boxing and MMA. And, then, of course, I do my other shows, Johnny Taco and the All-Stars. That's 10 p.m. Pacific time, Saturday night. Of course, I bring in Zach Attack Young and Dominic cadwallader are our millionaire co host And the bottom line is we talk sports, have a good time, and do some comedy as well. That's Saturday night at 10 p.m. Pacific time. Wait, wait, I'm not done. I've got a new show. I'm doing No Holds Barred. I'm digging this show. I'm really digging this show because it lets me, to, lets me go off in MMA a little bit more than, uh, than I can here on this show. I feel a little bit restrained sometimes on Ring Talk. So, but the bottom line is we do No Holds Barred, Zach and I, 5 p.m. Pacific time, Sundays, right here on Sports Byline. Of course, that repeats Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific time on the Sports Byline broadcast network as well. So now that I've got all the advertisements out of the way, and if you haven't left me already, God bless you. The bottom line is we're talking Mike Tyson. Folks, of course, I was there at the beginning. I was there at the end. I watched this phenom, of course, rage from an amateur that was like knocking out everybody until he ran into the great Henry Tillman. Of course, Henry Tillman out of Carson, California, the man that had problems as a youth, went to the California Youth Authority, got involved in boxing, and straight up, of course, won the Olympic gold medal back in 1984 in Los Angeles And his Native City, folks, won it in L.A. Wow. Talk about being able to say, I won the gold medal right here in L.A. If everybody knows who you are, that's got to be something, you know. Winning it in, like, in France and then coming home, eh, not such a big thing. But when you win in L.A., that's something. Anyway, that was the great 1984 team. Of course, Pernell, Whitaker, Meltrick, Taylor, I can go on and on. But the bottom line is that 84 team was tremendous, no doubt. Who do you think the best 84 team is? Maybe we should ask that question sometime. Who was the best in the 1984 team? We'll do that on a separate occasion. But the bottom line is, today, we're talking Mike Tyson. Now, Mike Tyson, when he broke into professional boxing, he broke in, how can I put this, with a Mercedes. I'm talking about Hector Mercedes. Knocked out Hector Mercedes in a couple of rounds. Hector came in and... 0-3. 0-3. Oh, Hector would win one fight in his illustrious career. He would go 1-10 in 10 as a pro. The bottom line is uh, Mike Tyson was being fed hamburger at first because, you know, they wanted to get his feet wet. They wanted to see what was happening. So he was fighting all these nobodies and these stiff guys like Don Halpin and Ricardo Spain and Larry Sims, who was 3-16. and 16. And then he stepped up and fought Lorenzo Kennedy. Kennedy could fight a little bit. He drilled him as well. Of course, he went on a straight, straight knockout. What do you like? 18 knockouts in a row. Donnie Long, guys like that, Sammy Shaft. Uh, but Mike started to learn his trade. He started beating up guys like Mike Jameson. Of course, he was in nineteen eighty five, nineteen eighty six. January, a month later, he fought Jesse Ferguson. Jesse Ferguson, the guy that could also teach you something. Mike was learning things as he was going on as a pro. He was learning on the job. I mean, you know, Gus Amato and Jim Jacobs, and of course, Bill Caton to an extent. These three guys, they, they had, they had it going on here. They knew, they had, they had. How can i going to put it this the eighth wonder of the world at that point in time, because when Mike Tyson got rolling, folks, the entire world stopped. I called Andre Ward, Andre Ward, Andre the Giant, the seventh, the wonder of the world. So he's got to be the eighth wonder of the world. Of course, Mike Tyson at his peak. So Tyson goes on, knocks out everybody until he walks into uh, James Tillis. James Quick Tillis, of course, goes 10 rounds. I think that was the guard in New, in New York City. And next up, a pivotal fight in his career because, uh, sort of showed that, that Mike Tyson gets emotional. I'm talking about the fight with Mitch Blood Green. He tries like hell to knock Mitch Blood Green out. Of course, Blood Green spitting on him and doing all kinds of things. That fight took place in the Garden in New York City as well in 1986. But Mitch Blood Green went to distance. Of course, they had a street fight uh, a while later. And, of course, that resulted in Mike Tyson breaking his hand. And I think, uh, by the way, Mr. Uh, uh, Blood Green, I think, got some money out of that. But Mike Tyson came back, of course, fought for the heavyweight title. As I mentioned, November twenty second, nineteen eighty six. Trevor Berbick, of course, was in the opposite corner. A man that had lost, uh, had lost to Larry Holmes, but had beaten Muhammad Ali in his last fight in nineteen eighty one. So this is like five years later. Berbick's now the WBC title holder, of course, thirty one and four. Didn't end uh, didn't end too uh, pleasantly for Mister Burbick in two rounds. I think he got knocked. I think he got knocked down twice by one punch. That's what happened. didn't remember one punch. He got knocked down, boom, and got up and got knocked down again by the same punch. He went down twice from the same punch. I don't think I've ever seen that before. But Trevor Burbick uh, was the, you know, the stepping stone for Mike Tyson and gave him a WBC heavyweight title. Now, next up, he fights guys by the name of Bone Crusher Smith. And Bone Crusher's got this, this incredible uh, reputation of being from North Carolina as a big-time slugger. He's knocking people out. They call him Bone Crusher. Well, that night, he was more like Bone Hugger. I mean, he wouldn't let go, of Mike Tyson, until like the twelfth round, and he threw an uppercut. I thought that rocked Mike a little bit, but the bottom line is, he never let his hands go. He was scared to death. Listen, most guys that got in the ring with Mike Tyson were scared to death. They were beaten before the bell rang. That's why he was so successful. A lot of the times, is he didn't have to put forth a whole lot in the ring. He just like stomped at somebody. Ah! I mean, they would. Uh, one guy lost himself. I won't mention who he was, but it was an Atlantic City ring before a fight, and the guy couldn't control his um. Physical, uh, you know what I'm trying to say, is he lost it in the ring. In other words, it was a little smelly in the ring. People weren't aware what was going on during the pre-fight thing. That's what happened. The guy dumped on himself. That's how scared he was. won't mention his name because that's an embarrassment. But, of course, Tyson goes on. It takes on the uh, Pinkland Thomas and takes care of Pinkland. I think Pinkland was another WBC title. Tony Tucker was the IBF champion, of course, and uh, he won that in a 12-round decision as well. Tony Tucker not fighting that well that night. Of course, then there was a rematch. And I say a rematch, of course, because these guys went at it in 1984 Olympic training camp, back and forth. i talking about Tyrell Biggs and Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson then basically a junior heavyweight, 201 pounds or less. Tyrell Biggs, the era apparent, of course, and the gold medalist in 1984. But the six foot five, 238-pound heavyweight was a good-looking guy. Everybody sort of knew he was going to be the super heavyweight a title holder, as far as the Olympics were concerned, but he took on Tyro Biggs. Biggs was like fifteen and zero, I think, at the time, and he he punished Biggs. He was just hitting Biggs to the body, and Biggs was like mm, moaning, mm, groaning. Oh, it was terrible. I thought it was a brutal beating, and he he put that beating on him, and that was just. I was so glad that fight was over for Tyrell Biggs and for the audience as well because people at home are saying, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. But you can see that Mike Tyson's holding this guy up just to beat on him some more, like I said, a bongo drum. So there was bad blood between Tyrell Biggs and Mike Tyson, but that was settled uh, in October of 1987. Next up, the great Larry Holmes. Of course, Holmes coming back. Remember what Larry said on this show? He said, yeah, I had to come back and fight Mike Tyson because I needed to buy a building. Well, how much was the building, Larry? Three and a half million bucks. How much you could pay for the fight, Larry? About 3.8 million bucks. So this what I sort of paid for the building. I needed to pay for that building. Larry Holmes falling prey to uh, Mike Tyson on uh, January twenty second, 1988. So Mike Tyson off and rolling now, of course, Holmes in only 48 and 2. And I got to tell you, after that, it was like Tony Tubbs and then the Michael Spinks fight. Remember the Michael Spinks fight? Once and for all. No, it was called Once in I'll Fall. I mean, he pulled some crap on that one. I was there, Michael Spinks. I'm looking through my binoculars because I'm in the very last row of the Atlantic City Convention Center, also known as the house that Arturi Gotti bit, the late, late Arturo Gotti. But I'm looking through my binoculars. I got these great binoculars. I had to pay hundred bucks for it. And guess what? The fight was over. He sort of got hit on the arm or the rib or somewhere. I didn't ever see him get hit on the chin. But guess what? Mike Spinks bowed out. That's right, 91 seconds. The biggest fight in the history of boxing at that point in time. Mike Tyson and Mike Spinks undefeated for the World Heavyweight Championship. Undisputed, unified, linear championship, all that kind of good stuff. And guess what? Spinks falls in less than one round, 91 seconds. Bruno, Carl the Truth Williams. Of course, he lasted 93 seconds. That was in 1989. And, of course, that was the end of Mike Tyson. J- uh, July of 21st, 1989, of course, Carl the Truth Williams being knocked out in 93 seconds. It took... Two seconds, I take that back. Yeah, it took two seconds longer to make a liar out of uh, the Carl the Truth Williams than he did to make a believer out of Michael Spinks. I'm talking about Mike Tyson, of course. That was his peak right then and there. And then he would tell people when he retired, of course, he would lose to James Buster Douglas in his next fight in February of 1990 and then sort of go, to, sort of go downhill from that point forward. But after his last fight in 2005, we are in Washington, D.C., and I said to him, I said, Mike, when do you think you lost it? I said, a lot of people think you lost it. You know, after the Williams fight. He said, I never had it after the Williams fight. That was net was 1989. Basically, Mike Tyson was finished. He retired in 2005. Of course, the world heavyweight champion two times over, 50 and six, 44 KOs. Wow, you got to give him some props. The world heavyweight champion, Michael Gerard Tyson, turning 50 years old today. So we got lots of things to talk about here on the Sports Bottom Line Broadcast Network. This is Ring Talk Live Worldwide.
7: Eight hundred two nine six zero nine zero six. Eight hundred two nine six zero nine zero six. That's eight hundred two nine six zero nine zero six.
5: So, me and, me and this guy fight, you know. So, so you know, my whole thing. I was surprised that he came out the first round trying to box. Me. And so, when somebody trying to do something, trying to fight you and what you do the best, I'm like, son, man, you you crazy? You think you going you gonna step back me and you just gonna box me with heads? And I start lighting them up. And, you know, I had them hurt in the first round. Like this and stuff. So in the second round, he tried to twist twist my arm, and I twist his arm back to show him that I'm just as strong as him. Then all the second, you know what? Then on the third round, Mike Mike came out without a mouthpiece. And I'm the one that said, hey, he ain't got no mouthpiece in the mouth." fact them, I, I said that because I know if I hit so him. So he was up, on the mission.
2: He knew what he
5: going to I don't know he was on the mission, but I realized that <laughs> I ain't want to hit him in the mouth and he cut his lips right, and stuff right. like this. So I'm, I'm just that passion. I, w- I would not cheat. One thing is that I would not cheat. My whole thing, I'd rather die than cheat. I ain't cheat nobody. I beat you fair. And I, and that, that's the whole thing. You beat me? Okay, then that's it. So you know what? And, and in this thing, he grabbed me and he, he locked me up in my arm. So, you know, when they lock you up like this, what you do is who have the strongest neck. So I take my head like this and, and, and I'm pushing his head back. And all of a sudden, ah, what you I'm trying to pull out and he got my arm in I jumped so high. Man, hood. what you do when somebody do something to you, you do it worse. So I'm going to trip him up and, and I'm going to bite the daylights out. Right. So so time I said I wasn't going to do it, I was doing like this, and I was looking at it, and Mike, is that doing like this? And I, and I realized I'm going to get it. By the time before I got ready, my corner guy started saying, keep your mind on the Lord, keep your money. He starts screaming, and I realized that better not do it. I guess they're going to get me. And so he bit me again, and they stopped the fight.
0: Now more of Ring Talk. With Pedro Fernandez.
5: I'm just ready to get it on and crush this guy's skull.
2: The great Levi Stubbs, lead vocalist of the Four of Tops, met him in an elevator of the MGM Grand. He was going down to do a show. I was going to a fight. And the bottom line is was like 35 to 40 seconds of bliss, man, because he was such a confident man, most confident man I think i have ever come in contact with for just a minute, minute and a half. Bottom line is the great Levi Stubbs from Motown. On the line from North or sub, I think North Carolina, I'm talking about the great Aaron Snow, of course, trainer extraordinaire, and the man that handled Mike Tyson for a long time. And Aaron, a very good day to you, and happy birthday to Mike Tyson today.
9: Yeah, how about that? Fifty years old. How time fast? Uh, how time goes by fast, huh?
2: And how time goes by fast. How time just flies. How a year is three hundred sixty-five days, but after the age of twenty-five or thirty, and a year thinks like maybe maybe it's one hundred and eighty days. You know, I'm looking at Aaron. I'm looking at the, these all-time ratings here as far as box records here, and I'll go through the top twenty for you: Max Barry George Foreman, Sonny Liston, Jack Sharkey, uh, James Tony. I don't know why he's there. Rocky Marciano, Antonio Tarver, Mike Tyson, Max Schmeling, Joe Frazier, Jack Johnson, Floyd Patterson, Sam Lankford, Larry Holmes, Lennox Lewis, Harry Wills, Vladimir Klitschko, number four, Joe Lewis, number three, Evander Holyfield, number two, and Muhammad Ali, number one. Now, looking down that list right there, um, I would probably say that Mike Tyson would probably beat mm, most, almost, almost all those guys. Why should he be down there at number 13, according to BoxRick? I think it's a little disrespectful.
9: Well, well, a lot of times they don't look at the total all package when, when they're looking at uh, those things as time goes by. Um, as you well know, Pedro, Mike Tyson, when he was coming along, there was a lot of talented heavyweights at the time. And any one of them at that time could emerge to be a great fighter. And out of that bunch... At the time, Mike Tyson came along, and he went through them, man. The list is long, fine, but distinguished. The man that beat the man that fought the man that beat the man that fought and beat the man. Mike Tyson was the man back then. And to to his credit uh, for putting in the hard work and training and things like that, he's one of the best. Known heavyweights to the day, a lot of people think that really don't follow boxing. Still think Mike Tyson still heavyweight champion in the world? Now, ain't that something?
2: Yeah, that's true. You know, I, you you look at Mike, and I remember him coming up and in the amateurs, of course, having the the shortcoming, the Olympic uh, trials against Henry Tillman, knocking Tillman down though, coming close there to knocking Tillman out. Henry told me that Mike hit real hard, especially in, in the rematch as a pro. But I think that you know, I think Mike is is underappreciated. I think that. I'm sort of glad he's got his life back on track because it doesn't enable those detractors do, to uh, piss on his image. You know what I'm trying to say?
9: Yeah. Uh, you know, Mike Tyson accomplished a lot from hard work and dedication, as you well know. But what you know, I'm trying to say, Eric. You don't, don't I'm trying knock out Aaron. a Larry Holmes as fast. You don't knock out a Michael Spinks. You you got to think, think about this, Pedro. To knock my, uh, Michael Spinks out in the way that he did. Michael Spinks is uh, undisputed light heavyweight champion, uh, uh, heavyweight champion,
2: linear champion.
9: And I mean, yeah, he all time great. And ball none, man. Larry Holmes, man, that knocked him out in the fashion Mike Tyson does, hey, that's not an easy task. And uh, Larry Holmes stands in the class by himself as a great fighter. True. Aaron you not know
2: Aaron Snow is our guest, Mike Tyson's former trainer. But I got I to gotta tell you this, Michael Spinks was scared to death, though. I mean, Michael Spinks, there was fear running through. I mean, I've never seen Michael Spinks look so scared. Butch Lewis, when Mike punched a hole in the wall, evidently, this is a story I got, that Butch Lewis went into the dressing room and watched Mike Tyson get his gloves laced up or to get his hands wrapped, one or the other, and he had his bare hands on, and then Mike punched a hole in the wall, and they could see outside into the um. Into the uh, into the environment, he punched a hole in the wall, and they were freaking out. Like Bush Lewis was freaking out. Of course, Bush Lewis did not go back and tell Michael Spinks that, but he didn't need
9: to. Ninety-one seconds, Michael Spinks—he
2: became a believer.
9: Well, not not only that, man. When he hit that wall back there in the back in the dressing room at the time, uh, the the whole felt like the whole building shook. At that time, I was working with uh, Mike Michael Dokes. He was mm-hmm. making a comeback. Michael Dokes was, and uh, he fought a Canadian heavyweight uh, that night. And everybody was in the dressing room, and he hit that wall. Man, the whole felt like the whole building shook, uh, Pedro. But that's the kind of excitement that Mike Tyson uh, bring. There was something mystical, fear in the air, something. I mean, when he was on the top of his game, brawl none, man, a whole lot of people were scared of him. Man, you, you make one mistake in a fight, you could be winning the whole fight, and you make one mistake in a fight, and your lights out. You know, and guys fear that a lot. But um, to to knock people out, you got to put yourself on the line and get knocked out. Uh, get at, at times, when, when Mike Tyson lost, man, it was still exciting excitement in the air
2: you, you know ray leonard told me one time we're running in in in, in west palm beach florida where he schooled me and, and sprinted the last half mile on me the turkey anyway he was telling me i said my i said, ray what's what's the difference between a good fighter and a great fighter he goes the willingness to gamble to go for it that's what you're talking yeah. about
9: oh have, hey look um, what, when ray leonard fought tommy hearns if, if you remember That great left hook. He was getting beat. Eyes were getting shut up. Ray Leonard was getting whooped. Yep. Until he gambled and threw that left hook to the body that took uh, Hearns' legs away from him, took some steam out of that. Cracked the rib. That was the telling tale, the changing of that fight with Ray Leonard, and Ray Leonard went on to not a win, but to knock I mean, Tommy Hearns
2: out. September 1981, yeah. the round you're talking about, Aaron was the seventh round. I'll never forget that body shot, clear shot, left hook to the ribs, no doubt about it. Ray Leonard on top. But going back to to Mike Tyson, of course, Mike. When we talked at the end, of course, he talked about his greatest fights and what he thought were his greatest accomplishments and that. But he sort of doesn't. He sort of doesn't like. Like, like to rate himself. I mean, if you asked him where I said, "Where do you put yourself as far as all time heavyweight champions are concerned?" He said, "That's not my job. That's your job." Uh, you come from a little biased po- uh, point of view here, but where Hello? would you put him at all in, as an all time on the list of all time greats? Hello, yeah, Aaron. Where would you put him on the list of all time greats? Hey, hey, look,
9: no question, he's in. He's in the top ten, if not even the top. 10 three or top five, you know, it depends on what. But more none, Mike Tyson would expect to start into into the game. And, and and there's something when a guy is able to put butts in the seat. That kind of excitement. It speaks of an overall interest. Aaron, Aaron,
2: Aaron, Aaron, athlete. Aaron, Aaron, I got to cut you off, man, because the cell phone got so bad in the last two minutes, I can't even understand you. We will talk soon. Much love. Happy birthday, Mike Tyson. You are tuned to the Sports Byline Broadcast Network. Sorry about that technical garble there. I just couldn't get it straight. The bottom line is, man, he kept fading in, fading out. Urgh, I hate cell phones, especially when doing phone interviews, even though they're iPhones. No matter what you're at, it's just, you know, not shaky. You are tuned to the Ring Talk Live Worldwide open phone lines, coast to coast, 1-800-878-PLAY. this 1-800-878-7529. This is the Sports Byline Broadcast Network.
1: Jerry Mathers. I was the beaver and leave it to beaver. And 20 years ago, I almost died from type two diabetes. When I was diagnosed with type two, I was shocked. My blood sugar was through the roof. Now the very same natural remedies I use to control my type two diabetes are available for you in a super easy program called the diabetes solution kit. And I should know it works. I use the very same techniques to drop 40 pounds of fat, get my blood sugar under control and watch my type two diabetes fade into thin air. If you have diabetes, I urge you to try this step-by-step plan. It has all the natural techniques I used, and it works a lot faster, too. I'm Jerry Mathers, and if I can do it, you can do it, too. If you'd like to normalize your blood sugar and stop taking
4: your diabetes medication completely with your doctor's approval, go to 2016diabetes.com. That's 2016diabetes.com. Reverse your diabetes in as little as 30 days by going to 2016diabetes.com. That's
7: 2016diabetes.com now.
4: That's almost twice the coverage for less than half of what he had paid. If SelectQuote hasn't shopped for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much.
1: For your free quote,
0: call 1-800-603-0997. That's 1-800-603-0997. 1-800-603-0997. Or go to SelectQuote.com. We shop. You save get full details on the example policy at slash commercials, your price can vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors not available in all states. It's
5: time for the Undisputed U.S.
7: Championship of the World. Introducing first. at 264 pounds fighting out of Alexandria, Minnesota presenting the reigning defending undisputed UFC heavyweight champion of the world Brock Lesnar!
0: Wow Wow indeed oh my goodness. <laughs> That's
8: the <a> word baby <laughs> Oh, It's crazy right now. There's a buzz here at Honda Center. Lesnar, Velasquez, heavyweight title is on the line. You ready to fight? You
9: ready. Good. Rock on the attack.
1: See how well Kane fights off his back.
9: Came back up to his feet. Nicely done by Mr. Velasquez.
1: We haven't
0: seen
9: him taken down often, if at all, but he's right back up. Lesnar trying to get back up.
0: More of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez. Cain
2: Velasquez, of course, the UFC heavyweight champion. No more. Fabrice Perdue took that from him. And, of course, Stip Miocic took that from Fabrice Perdue. in a big upset just about a month and a half ago. Bottom line is Brock Lesnar and Cain Velasquez back in action. July the 9th. That's July the 9th. Of course, Saturday pay-per-view uh, live from the... Uh, T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas at 10 p.m. in the east, seven o'clock in the west. This is the pay-per-view card. Kane Velasquez and uh, the man that will be forever known as Travis Brown. No, he was born as Travis Brown, but we'll talk about Ronda Rousey's sperm donor. I'm talking about uh, Travis Brown, of course, the heavyweight. He's about six foot five, six foot five and a half. Cain Velasquez only six one, but let me tell you, Kane, of course, the cardiovascular monster that he was, trained a little bit too hard, got hurt a little bit too often, of course. Had he not been hurt, God knows what his heavyweight title run would have really been like. But the bottom line is he's on the comeback trail after that Verdum fight and, of course, a couple of injuries in between, surgeries here and there. The bottom line is he's like the $6 million man. They patched him back together. Now, Travis Brown, he's uh, not the greatest fight in the world, but he's he's, going to come and he's going to try, and he's big. And Cain Velasquez is going to be ready, and Cain Velasquez is probably going to take Travis Brown out inside of the distance. It'll be a three-round fight, three-round heavyweight fight. Of course, that's 265 pounds down to 205 pounds. 205 pounds is the light heavyweight limit. <clears throat> on the same card, Jose Aldo and Frankie Edgar hooking it up at 145. Of course, Conor is a champion at 145, but Conor will never fight at 145 again. Of course, Conor's going to take on Nate Diaz in a rematch at USC 202. Maybe we'll get to that a little bit later. Of course, that is at 170 pounds, not at 145, the, middleweight, uh, the featherweight limit. So Jose and Edgar, and Edgar conceivably the best challenger out there outside of Jose Aldo for Conor McGregor, uh, the, he probably should have got the fight with Aldo before Conor McGregor, but McGregor had all these connections, and had all that play going for him. So you know, the, the Muhammad Ali, gorgeous George type of character that he was, um, and he got the he got he got the title shot, made a lot of money doing it for, him, made a lot of money for the company. I hope Frankie got some step aside money there. But Edgar and Aldo duking it out at featherweight one forty five on USC two hundred, July the ninth. Of course, Brock Lesnar and Mark Hunt. Wow, this is a threat. This is a fight for the ages. The reason why I say that is that. You've got Mark Hunt, the slowing Samoan, the throwing Samoan. Not much of a physical specimen. I mean, he's not like, I put this cut up like Hercules. Then you've got Hercules. And Brock Lesnar, of course, he with the WWE, ex-WWE champion, ex-UFC champion for a minute. You know, I mean, I remember when he turned his back on Shane Carwin. That sort of taught me a lot as far as uh, what you wanted to know about Rock Lesnar, because he he got hit a whole lot in that fight. I know in that first round he probably took about seventy five or eighty punches. But when he when he got up and he turned his back and actually turned his back and turned away from the from the uh, from the opponents that were stalking him, I thought right then and there the referee should have jumped in and disqualified him for you know for turning his back. But he didn't do that. The benefit of that was given to him. Of course, he came back in the second round and prevailed and defended the world heavyweight championship that night against the very <clears throat> capable Shane Carwin. But Mark Hunt. Can I say, the big puncher, knockout winner of a Frank Muir just like a month and a half ago, two months ago, of course, Mark, Frank Muir got in the best shape of his life, went down to Australia to take on the cap from New Zealand, and Mark Hunt, of course, New Zealand's sort of like Hawaii to, uh, to Australia, but Mark Hunt was down there. He's a the house guy. They love him down there, and, man, he had a big crowd behind him, not as big as Ronda Rousey and Holly Holm last November, but a big crowd, and he knocked out Frank Muir. He just knocked him out with one punch. So if he catches Lesnar, And there are people like the great Dave Meltzer. I kid you not, a Wrestling Observer, Radio Show, Wrestling Observer, uh, Newsletter, Wrestling Observer, everything. Mr. Wrestling Observer himself. Dave Meltzer says he's picking Mark Hunt in this fight. He thinks that Mark Hunt's going to be able to knock Brock Lesnar out. And I was thinking that Brock Lesnar's wrestling ability were, how can I put this, his wrestling ability was head and shoulders above Mark Hunt, and that he'd be pulling Mark Hunt's legs, pulling Mark Hunt's legs off underneath him, getting him on the ground, and it'd be all over pretty quick. So I didn't. I really couldn't see Mark Hunt landing this punch unless he ran across the string, or across the octagon, straight at Brock Lesnar in a bums rush type of thing and 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 stunned him in his, uh, in his corner. But outside of that, you know, <clears throat> I think Lesnar's got the edge wrestling, even though the great Dave Meltzer's picking Mark Hunt. Ee, that's a tough one. I, I really would like Mark Hunt to win, though. It would be great for MMA, of course, Brock Lesnar. As I said, a WWE star coming over to the UFC for this one-fight-only gig. And this one-fight-only gig, I think, is uh, payback for Ronda Rousey doing something at uh, WrestleMania next year. And I don't know if Ronda Rousey is going to be able to get over much at Ronda WrestleMania anymore. Because, you know, we talked about this in the past, but since that loss to Holly Holm, she just hasn't been the same. I mean, she's she's like done all these little spoiled brat type of things on TV and called people names and, and called uh, a couple of Misha Tate a, uh, a piece of crap for wishing Holly home good luck before she fought Ronda Rousey and things like that. I mean, that's how that's how low and petty that Ronda had gotten, okay? I mean, I can go into some other shady things she's done, but the bottom line is since she lost that title, she really hasn't been, um, how can I put this, out there, hasn't done much public. Uh, of course, a couple of pictures of her here and there looking like she's maybe 150, 560 pounds. No no, no big no big uh, deal as far as her weight is concerned. I think she can get down to 35 or, or 45 as she need be. But will she ever fight again? That's really the question. That's the big question. I think that down deep inside Dana White saying do her, you know, <clears throat> sign this contract. Sign this contract. You can fight Misha Tate first, and then, and then you can fight Holly Holm in a rematch. And it'll make big, big money. And I, and, and I don't know if she's willing to sign that contract because, you know, I don't think she's got the confidence in herself to go out there and fight again. Talking about the end of Ronda Rouse, yeah, I think it's there. Why? Because, you know, when you get knocked out in that devastating of a manner, you just do, I mean, it's just tough coming back. I don't care. She got knocked into, like, not another zip code, not another area code. She got knocked knocked into another time zone, okay? Boom. Left foot kick, left hook kick, bang. It was all over. Loosen four or five of her teeth. She said she wouldn't be chewing on any apples till June or July. So if she's chewing on apples now, I wish her the very best at that. But, you know, coming back and fighting again, I just don't see Ronda Rousey doing it. Speaking of Misha Tate, the one that beat Molly Holm, of course, it beat Ronda Rousey, the woman that beat the woman that beat the woman. She's taking on Amanda Nunes on this UFC 200 card. Of course, that's July the 9th. Uh, Misha Tate and Amanda Nunes fighting 135 pounds. Nunes is supposed to be a good fighter. He's aggressive, but I just don't think she's going to win on that, on that card. I really don't. I think that Misha Tate's a pretty good fighter. And also on the card, Kat Zagano, who lasted a total of... 14 seconds with the aforementioned Ronda Rousey. Take it on Juliana Pena. We'll see what happens with that. And the former welterweight champion, Johnny, Gonzalez, Johnny Hendricks. Johnny Gonzalez, Johnny Hendricks, of course, the man that <clears throat> lost to GSP the first time around, Georges St-Pierre, and then came back and beat St-Pierre the second time in a match. Nah, he wasn't all that convinced he won. Anyway, takes on Kelvin Gaslam. Gaslam's always given a good effort uh, day in and day out. And TJ Dillashaw, the former Whittle World uh, Bantamweight champion, the man, of course, beat Renan Borel and then lost the title back to Dominic Cruz. Man, he's taking on Rafael Esenayo, and, of course, that's a big fight at 135. T.J. Dillashaw leaving Sacramento, leaving Tim Alpha Male, leaving Uriah Faber, leaving all the people up there in Sacramento for the, the high altitude and the money that the gym in Den- Denver paid him, I think, in Denver or around Denver, Circuit Denver, Colorado, that paid him to come out there and train. Well, guess what? One fight only, baby. You were gone. the title. Are they still paying you to train? You're no longer the— uh, World Bantamweight UFC Champion, TJ Dillashaw in action <coughs> on UFC 200. Of course, Diego Sanchez on the card, Diego Masasi on the card, Diego Sanchez on the cards, and Jim Miller as well. Straight up, pretty good card, UFC 200. That's on pay-per-view. And, of course, it'll start off on Fight Pass, and then it'll go to Fight Pass. what' that? say one, two, three fights on Fight Pass. And then the preliminary card uh, headed by Kat Zagano and Juliana Pena in the preliminary main event card. That starts at Fox Sports 1. That'll go on at 5 p.m., Pacific time. So, 5 p.m. Pacific time, two hours of MMA on Fox Sports 1, and then we go live on pay-per-view at 10 p.m. Eastern time, 7 o'clock Pacific time, the USC Light Heavyweight Championship on the line. Danny Cormier, the defending champion, with an asterisk because he got that title when it was vacated when he, uh, when John Jones got into a car accident last year. But the bottom line is John Jones had licked him like a stamp, just like what? Like, mm, How three, three, four months before earlier? So, the bottom line is, I think Mark John Hunt's uh, John Jones is going to take out Daniel Cormier inside the five-round distance here, and of course come back as the world heavyweight champion. No doubt, I mean, the world light heavyweight champion. No doubt about it. And of course that week, the international fight week is what I used to call it, but it's no longer international fight week because the USC is like forced out all the competition. There used to be lower-level cards as far as the, like, you know, MMA, uh, AAA MMA card out of Kansas. They'll bring their promotion to Las Vegas for that one week to throw a card maybe at a small arena downtown. But it ain't happening anymore. Of course, USC fight night kicking it off. That's the Junior Dos Santos and... uh, Mm. And uh, uh, Mr. Alvarez, of course, duking it out for the, uh, oh, man, the USC light, light, lightweight champions, 155 pounds. But I got to tell you, man, when you look at Rafael Dos Santos and Eddie Alvarez, you look at almost an even fight. And then then you realize that Rafael Dos Santos has done some mean things in his time as far as wins are concerned, and he's got the ability to do just about everything. He strikes good. He wrestles good. Of course, got that Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Also on the card, Rick Roy Big Country Nelson, the big guy taking on Derek Lucas. Lewis, Lewis. Mike Piles on the card. He's been on the show in the past. So that is the 7th of July. That'll be on Fox Sports 1. And then they come back, of course, on July the 8th. That's a Thursday night. So take it back. Thursday and take it back. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. This is the Friday night card. The ultimate fighter. Team Joanna, of course. Joanna Jay. Joanna Generosek, of course. Good fighter. No doubt about it. I mean, she's can I put this? Maybe she's the second best woman fighter in the world. She's a 115-pound world strawweight champion, taking on Claudia Gadilea, of course, out of Brazil. Claudia can fight a little bit. We'll see what happens there. A couple other fights on the card, but that's the eighth. And of course, July the 9th, USC 200. So the USC has frozen out all the competition, and you wonder why there's clacks action lawsuits being accusing them, Zufa Sports, of being a monopoly. And now they're for sale. And now they've been sold for $4 bucks. Scott Cuddy bought the UFC for $4 bucks. Seriously. So they've been sold for $4 bucks. Now, do the new owners, how are they going to inherit all the problems that Dana White left him with? I mean, think about it. I mean, you know, Dana playing favorites, Dana having the cell phone thing, Dana having the drop phone so he didn't have no any record of his phone calls or his conversations, things like that. All that's going to play out. They're going to ask him, why were you using, why are you the president of the UFC, and why the hell would you be using disposable phones, throwaway phones, unless you were doing something shady. Straight up. This is Ring Talk, live, worldwide, one 800 878 play those 1-800-878-7529, live, all across America, Canada, Puerto Rico, the Virgin Islands in the world, of course, on the AFN Network, from San Francisco, California, in the West Coast. This is Ring Talk, live on Sports Byline.
4: Financing is easy with your credit card or PayPal credit. Call now. 1-800-427-0183. 1-800-427-0183. That's 1-800-427-0183. 1-800-427-0183.
1: My joints used to kill me.
0: With Pedro Fernandez.
1: Darkest of
9: night with the moon shining bright. There's a step going strong, a lot of things going on. The man of the hour has an air of great power. The dudes have envied him for so long. Oh,
2: super fast. Four Golden Glove Championships. My mama said it ain't bragging when you're telling the truth. Speaking of bragging, guess who's getting a shot at the world middleweight title? Let's talk about the UFC. The 45-year-old Dan Henderson, 32 and 14, the former Strikeforce champion, is going to take on Michael Bisping. Looks like going to take place in September. But I'm telling you, I'm not for this fight. because you know, Why does he deserve a title fight? The bottom line is, of course, he's coming off that one-round win, that knockout win over Hector Lombard. But Lombard, of course, coming off the steroid suspension. God knows what he was really like. But the bottom line is Bisping. And, uh, I don't know, Bisping and Henderson from the World Middleweight Championship. I guess they don't think much of Bisping, of course, trying to get him a title win. Because the bottom line is he probably couldn't beat too many of the other uh, uh, middleweights out there. Oh, Bellator. I want to go back a week just for a second. I almost missed this. Rampage, of course, at USC. Bantamweight, uh take that back. Uh, Bellator, 158. Of course, Rampage. Jackson, the former USC champion, former strike Strikeforce champion. Take that back. Former Right champion. Was a split decision winner over Satisho Ishii? I don't know. Probably didn't win that fight. It was a close fight. Could have been called a draw. And there's some U.S. doping controversy going on in the bottom line in the USC. We'll get to that in the next program, the next edition of Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Don't forget, Saturdays and Sundays, 11 a.m. Pacific time on the Sports Byline Broadcast. number Monday, 5 p.m. Pacific on Sirius XM Satellite Radio. Johnny talking to All-Stars, 10 p.m. Pacific time, Saturday night. And don't forget, No Holds Barred, the new MMA show. 5 p.m. Pacific, on Sunday. Pedro Fernandez in the house. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. On behalf of my great producer, Scott Cuddy, who did just buy the UFC, we thank you for tuning in.